Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And this podcast comes out from a discussion that I've had with some clients on the study wanting to know, you know, how we make these decisions, how we're so enthusiastic about things, how do we keep ourselves so motivated, you know, we're always available late at night, it seems that we're always working, you set up meetings with us at 3 a.m. our time, we're there, and it seems like it's completely normal for us. Well, I suppose that the best way to describe this podcast is to help you understand how to be in a position in life, your career, whatever it is, even as a consultant, whereby you want to do what you are doing and you, I don't want to use the word love what you're doing because I think it's overused, but how to want to do what you are doing and how to do what you want to do and how to feel that this is the most natural thing for you in the world and no matter what your choices are, you would pick this without compromises, right? And I'm going to talk about how I do things, right? So I'm the senior partner in the study. Um, I'm going to talk to you about how I make decisions, how I think through these studies and so on, right? And I think the first, the, the underlying reason about how I make these decisions is, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a life of privilege, but through my education and so on, I ended up living a very privileged life, becoming a partner at a very young age, and obviously all the you know, trappings of success that comes with that. One thing I've noticed is that privilege self-selects. That's right, privilege self-selects. So what happens is that most people, they go through university, they work really hard, they go to a good school, and name, you can name the school Harvard, Watt, and whatever school you think is great, you can put it there. And then they kind of just cut ties with their past. They will only want to surround themselves with other people like that, which is why I said privilege self-selects. And unless you, you know, really work hard to break into that society by going to the right schools and so on, you will never break in. And what you have is you have this class of people who shun their ties, go into a new life, and just want to have nothing to do with their past, you know. And... Whenever I think about this, I think of this famous quote from the movie Superman. They said that, um, the quote goes something like this, right? I'm recalling off memory, so there may be some things off, but basically, you know, every child was designed to perform a predetermined role in our society as a worker, a warrior, a leader, and so on. Um, your mother and I believe Krypton lost something precious, the element of choice, of chance, what if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to do something greater? And I think about that, right? Because the way society is structured today, it doesn't matter what your dream is. If you're not part of that kind of conveyor belt that's taking you in the right direction, you're pretty much going to have a horrible life. So when I do what I do, when I pick these studies, I don't say, oh, let's go here because you know what, it's nice to build a power station, I say, okay, how do how does the studies we are selecting 
help us break this rule where privilege self-selects. How are we going to do things that gives everyone as great a chance as possible? How do we level the playing fields? Now, I think ensuring that a generation of North African um, children have access to power to study and live a normal life somewhat levels the playing field, right? And so that's the, the, that's the decision. But there's something more deeper here. I don't consider myself a business person or a consultant. I'll be quite honest with you. I don't get up in the morning and read a lot of business books. I don't read books about, you know, Steve Jobs. I don't read books about Elon Musk. The only reason I read the book about Steve Jobs is because someone basically hounded me until I read it, right? But if you ask me the amount of business books I read, they're actually very limited. I don't listen to business people on, you know, business. I, I keep on Bloomberg on silent, but I never listen to people. I don't read business books. I consider myself an artist before I consider myself a consultant. When people are introduced to me, I only say, look, you know, I'm a partner in firms consulting. You know, we help solve difficult business problems, but I don't say I'm a consultant because to me, it's kind of very narrow in terms of what I want to do. If you look at the people that I look up to, the people whose careers I follow, the people who I analyze in a lot of detail, none of them are business people. They're all artists. You're guys like Hans Zimmer. You'll know Hans Zimmer, right? If you've watched Pirates of the Caribbean and just about any major blockbuster of the last 20 years, he would have produced the music in that production. Titanic, right? He did the music for Titanic. All these guys are pretty unbelievable. Right? They do unbelievable things. Christopher Nolan, the Batman movies, Michael Bay, Transformers, Steven Spielberg, Avatar, Titanic, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, Jerry Bruckheimer, Pearl Harbor, right? Martin Scorsese, he needs no introduction. My point is, when, when, when I design the studies we are doing, it's not an economic decision for me. And I, and I know that everyone tells you this, do what you love and things will come. But, but, you know, the reality is that the decisions we make have nothing to do with economics. We decide that, hey, we're going to do this because we feel that this is something we need to do. And we're going to commit ourselves to give 100% of our lives to this to make it something unbelievable. Because my name is going to be attached to this forever, right? And the name of the team members are going to be attached to this forever. And I want us to not treat this like a project. I want to treat this like you're creating something that matters. And the reason I look at people like Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan is because of their thought process is different from a business person. A business person, a consultant, a business person thinks about making money. Consultant thinks about making money by helping the businessman achieve some goal in the short term. Most of them, not all of them, try to achieve short-term goals just to get paid. When I attack a problem, I start with the emotion. And I mean, it sounds very cliche, but I do start with the emotion. I start off by saying, okay, what does the client and the client's clients need to feel? You know, it's not superficial to think that way. If you're living in a hut in Central Africa and you've got no power, can you imagine the emotion you feel when you have access to stable electricity? So I start from that point and I say, what is the emotion you want the client to feel? And the client's client, what is the emotion they want to, they want to feel? And then I work backwards and I say, okay, how do we achieve that? Is that the right emotion? How do we achieve it? 
How do we build the entire study to achieve that, which is very different from the way most studies are designed. And I'll admit, there's not something they teach you at BCG and McKinsey because there it's very different, right? But what I find is that if you constantly attack a study as an economics problem, two things are going to happen. One, it becomes cookie cutter. Because this is just one more study you are doing as a knot in your belt, you don't really care about it. But when you attack it as, you know what? This is what I want the audience to feel. This is how I'm going to commit my life to solving this for the next six to nine months. Everything disappears. I'm not going to try to sell anything. I'm not going to try to get testimonials. I'm not going to try to get paid. I'm going to try to make this work. The results are very different. You don't get up in the morning and say, oh, I've got to go for another client meeting. Oh, this client's harassing me. No, you, you think of this as a as some kind of purpose that you are pursuing and you ask yourself, okay, this is what I want to achieve and how do I get there? And it's my choice. I didn't take the study because I needed the money. I chose the study. So the argument is very, very different, right? The purpose is very, very different. And if you, if you think about this, right, this also means that the way I work is very different because people say, but how do you keep yourself so energized and so enthusiastic. But the reality is that most of the time when people speak to me, I'm actually at a low energy level. But my low energy level is just happens to be high for everyone else, right? But because of the way I structure projects to be artistic projects, I also tend to work like an artist. So when do I work best? I can tell you right now. I do my best work when I have a cold. Yes, I have a cold, a flu, and I am hyped up on medication and I am perspiring, and for whatever reason, I do my best work. So, if you, if you track firms consulting, you know that for some reason we tend to start doing big things around sort of February, March, and again around September, October. And there's a reason for that. That's when I get a cold. And I get a cold and I start dreaming up all these things and all these concepts and ideas, and I start seeing things I haven't seen before. I'm not saying I'm on drugs, but what I'm saying is that for some reason, that's when I do my best work. I also do my best work when I am sitting at Starbucks and listening to music. Yes, now when I'm in the office, I mean, one option is when I have a cold and I'm hyped up on all the medication and I do really good work over five days. You'll be shocked at how productive I am over those five days. I do things that I couldn't do any other time. The other time is when I am sitting at Starbucks and listening to music, and I hate classical music. Never give me classical music. I listen to my own stuff that's foreign. You know, I like music from Turkey and so on. My point is this. You cannot prescribe and say that you cannot schedule when creativity is going to happen, which is the problem with most people. What they do is they, they do work not because they want to do it. They do it because they have to do it. And when you have to do something, you are forced to meet someone else's schedule because you want to get paid. And obviously what I'm saying only applies when you're at the point in your life whereby you can dictate your own terms. But unless you try to do that, you will never get to the point of dictating your own terms. So having a cold, sitting at Starbucks, listening to my music, which you, I do quite often, you know, you'll find me in the financial district of Toronto, sitting there uh, with my notebook, listening to music, and just writing stuff down. I'm very, very creative and productive. And the other thing is that if you've seen my diary, I'm notorious for working between one o'clock and four o'clock in the morning 
because I'm also enormously productive. So what happens is that I do a lot of my thinking in isolation while I work with the team in collaboration. So think in isolation, work in collaboration. I don't really think that well in a group setting. I do work with team members, but I do most of my thinking in isolation, right? And a lot of my style comes from the fact that I, you know, have a physics background. And, you know, and as physicists, we do a lot of work in isolation. It's just the way we are, right? We do our thinking in isolation. We plot our thought. You know, everything's done by ourselves. We do work in teams, but each team has their own piece of work that they go ahead and solve and they bring it together, right? So when you are trying to adjust the style of thinking like an artist, I think decide work when you want to work. You don't have to work all the time. I'm not working all the time. People look at my output and say, wow, this guy must never sleep, but you would be shocked about the amount of TV I watch. I probably watch so much TV that there is a researcher in the United States writing about how my brain must be fried. My point is you work when you work. You work when you want to work. You work when you feel that this is the right time to work. Because when you do that, you produce better things. Now, the problem you have here is that when you want to work, may not exactly sync with the schedule of what others want to do. And if you're in that situation, which 99% of you are going to be in listening to this podcast, then you need to, when you don't have to work, shut down the engines completely. Don't do anything. So work when you need to work. I would say work when you want to work. And I work when I want to work. I don't care. I, sometimes I'll cancel a study that we've agreed with a client just because I don't feel that, you know, we are really ready for this. We're not committed to this. Our mind is not there. And I've done that actually many times, right? Firms consulting, we only take one or two, three studies a year and we just go after it fully committed. The second one is be damn obsessive. I, I'm a big believer in teamwork, but only if you have the right team members. If you have the wrong team members who cannot maintain your level of excellence that you are demanding, then you have a right to demand more from them. I don't believe you put teamwork above the best work. That is wrong. You put teamwork above the best work only if you're going to commit career suicide. If your team is not functioning to produce the best work, you change your team or you get out of the business. But you want to be obsessive about doing the best work. And obsessive doesn't mean checking everything. It's about deciding what you're going to be obsessive about. I'm a conceptual thinker. I tackle problems where the, where the solution is more important than getting every detail right. I am like that. If you want to be obsessive about the detail, that's fine, but make sure the detail is the value that is worth adding here. The third point is be different. Man, it really upsets me how many people will start doing something and they'll just copy their competitors. If you are just copying your competitors, why would someone hire you? You have to be different. Yes, people will not understand your difference initially, but if you can do it once and show you add value, it will change. The first time we put out the tech study, people said, what are you doing? This is so ridiculous. No one's ever done this before. We did it, and it became enormously successful. We put out the lab study, it became enormously successful. We then roll that into the power sector study, which by... You know, hard to say whether it will be successful, but we hope and the data has anything to go by, it will be successful, right? The second one is don't commit to something unless you can really commit to it. Don't do something just to get paid. It, 
it's very counterintuitive to say that because everyone just tries to get paid. If you just do things to get paid, you have volume business and you're just going to keep your burn very high because you have to churn out work to get paid. Because the work's not good in the first place, you're never going to earn high margins. It was very difficult when I started Firms Consulting to convince everyone to move into this model, whereby we will be very selective. We will not just do any consulting work. We'll pick things that matter to us and we'll walk away. Not because we don't, not because the client's doing anything wrong, because we just don't want to do the work, right? You want to do things that you are absolutely excited about, you know, that this is something you want to have your name attached to, right? Time commitments matter. I work any time of the day. Whenever, an idea, whenever I have an idea, I work. Sometimes I will decide, oh, I'm going to watch TV now. Three minutes in, I'm at my table because I thought of an idea. And I know that this is the time to work through it, right? Your thought process must be very different. If you are doing things differently, you know, a lot of people will come, they'll, they'll, they'll get best practices from other consulting firms. And they'll apply. Let me tell you something. Best practice is the fastest way towards mediocrity. Because what's another way for best practice? It means being too lazy to reinvent the wheel. So you just copy what other people did. If you copy what other people did, how in the world can you be better than them? Whenever you hear the word best practice, just make a little sign saying lazy and stick it on the person's forehead. Because that's what it is. Best practice is for lazy companies and lazy people who just want to be average and if you just want to be average, why in the world would an investor give you his capital? So don't be best practice. Reinvent the wheel, right? Be comfortable with redoing things. This is the other part of thinking like an artist. If something doesn't work, you damn reshoot the scene. You don't go out there and tell the client, well, no, we've done the analysis. The best we can do, pay us. No. You've got to own it. You've got to say, look, I don't care. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really care what the client thinks. I want this to work because I want this to work. And if the client's happy with it and I don't think it's good, I'll redo it. And I've done that before. If you follow the firm's consulting website, you know I've pulled things off the website because people liked it, but I didn't think it was good. I'm going to redo it. And I don't care what the costs are, right? And that's the kind of mentality you need to have. You've got to say that, look, I own this problem. I don't care if someone thinks it's good enough. It doesn't meet my standards and I'm going to put it out there now. If you go down that path, your standards are going to be so high. You're going to do so little work, but the reality is the margins just go through the roof because people know when they hire you, it's going to get solved. You're not going to walk away just because the revenue, the bills, you know, couldn't be paid. You're going to stick it through, right? Of course, unless you have high margins, you can't stick it through and the client isn't paying the bill. So make sure you go the high margin route, right? Do things that matter. I do things that matter. I, I don't care what other people say. You know, people tell me, do this study, do this study. And I always think to myself, good Lord, I don't know what Steve Jobs say to um, Scully when he wanted to hire him from Pepsi. Do you want to be selling sugared water for the rest of your life? And to me, it's the same thing. You know, I'll add something to that. Do you want to sell sugared water and pulverized potatoes for the rest of your life? And a lot of us, we get, we get caught into a life that we don't want, right? We graduate from an MBA program. We've got kids coming down the line. We've got a wife. We buy a house. To pay off the house, we get a nice job at some corporation, which, you know, we find a job on a website. We apply to it at some corporation. And then we took the job to pay off the house thing, and we just pay off the house, and then we have freedom. Then we get lulled into buying an expensive car, buying another home. Then we have to get a promotion to pay that off. And before you know it, well, you're stuck in a job you don't actually want, right? 
And that's the thing about life. You got to be very, very careful about doing things that matter to you and about arranging your life so you can do things that matter. And the reality is that, you know, people say women can't have it all. Well, I've got news for you. Neither can men, right? You've got to decide what you want. Do you arrange your life around doing the things that really matter to you? Or you just try to do everything in a mediocre way? And only you can know what is important to you, right? And finally, I would say that it doesn't really matter what kind of consultant you are, what kind of approach you use. Um, I'll be honest, you know, people love to say McKinsey knows what they're doing, BCG knows what they're doing. If those firms knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be reinventing themselves so rapidly like a chameleon shedding skin in the desert, right? The point is there are always better ways to do things. You need to be open to that. You need to be open to learning new ways. So to recap, the reason why, you know, we're so committed and so obsessive about things is because we don't operate like consultants. We don't think of ourselves like consultants. We borrow a lot of the thought processes from the arts, from the arts industry. You know, I can quote stories about Hans Zimmer, Christopher Nolan, about the way they did certain scenes, the way they obsessed about the music when they were shooting uh, that famous song from um, Titanic, My Heart Will Go On. I mean, the amount of research that went into it, the way it was put together, the way um, Steven Spielberg reacted when he first heard the music, the sad thing in business is that we forget that, you know, a company may make a billion dollars of revenue, but that billion dollars is made up of a consumer opening up one product costing $5 and that look on their face when they see that product doing what the product was set out to do. That's what you got to focus on. Because if you focus on that, the emotion, decide the emotion you want and work backwards can't go wrong. As always, I'll be more than happy to, you know, provide more commentary, talk about the way we work and so on, obviously, without giving away too many trade secrets, because we do do things very differently here. But remember something, don't forget about doing what you love and so on. It's very cliched, you know, focus on something more material. And I would say that, be an artist, do a few things, but remember your name's going to be attached to it forever. And make sure that you are proud to have your name attached on it forever. And if you're not, you redo it. You don't just walk away because you give up. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.